You are listening to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where we're having conversations with regular people doing outstanding and legacy changing things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for the blueprint to help you make less mistakes on your journey to freedom and ultimate purpose, then this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Dr. K. I'm blessed to be here today with Lindsay Smith. Um, Lindsay, the agent, as uh, she, she may better be known as. Um, look, we're going to have a conversation about something that is not sexy for most people, and that's life insurance. I don't know why so many people um, skip over this aspect of their life. They got, you know, car insurance, all these different other types of insurance to protect yourself. But um, I think we live in an age of like GoFundMe. I see it all the time. And I've even been impacted in my own family. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, and why life insurance is your is your go-to? So just to give you a background on myself, um, I went to Howard years ago, many moons ago. Okay, and HU. <laughs> the real HU. Yeah, the real HU. A fake one, right? Um, and I originally started out in the entertainment business, um, and then back in 2009, I decided to get into this business because obviously we went through the recession, things were different, and I've always been into finance, right? So I went to the School of B at Howard, um, ended up graduating from Baruch School of Business, um, Ziegler School of Business. So I've always been into the whole finance aspect of you know, just trying to understand, you know, what, how can I make money? How can I keep money? Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Um, yeah. And so when they reached out to me about becoming an agent, at first I was like, mm, I don't want to be an agent. Um, it's not sexy. You know, especially it was kind of like, I kind of want to hide. I don't want to tell anybody this is what I do. Because, you know, you always mm. hear these stigmas about life insurance and people who are life insurance agents coming, you know, harassing you. So I was like, I'm, I'm sliding that. I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. But I, I went for the interview and I actually was really intrigued about the whole process and what I would learn. And so I got into the business officially in 2010. So I've been a life insurance agent since 2010. I also have a securities license. So I have my six and 63 as well. Mm. I have my health license as well. So I'm licensed to not just sell life insurance, but also, you know, long-term care, disability, all these other things. And then obviously, you know, mutual funds and things like that as well. All right. So, so typically does your policy not already include something for disability or, or health already? So it doesn't actually include it. You can add it to your policy. You can add a disability rider um, and you can also get a disability policy. And I like to make that clear with people. That's not the same thing. 
a disability rider, when people say, oh, I have a waiver of, you know, the disability waiver on my policy, that's really just saying that if something does happen to you and you become disabled, the insurance company is going to pay your premium for you. They don't give you any actual money. They just pay your premium for you if you qualify for that claim. Um, But disability insurance is different. That's when you are not going to work or you're going to work only part time now because you have a disability, whether you can't work because you broke your your legs and your security or, you know, depending on what happens to you and what and, and what's deemed as a disability. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, they, so, and, and the disability, sorry, and the disability uh-huh. policy actually pays you out of income, disability insurance pays you out of income. So it replaces your income. So it's there for people who want to make sure that if something happens to them and they don't get their full income at work, mm-hmm. that they have something else to help them pay their bills. Yeah. So that's good. Um, a point that you, you point out the difference between those two, but does that mean that it's going to sit in like an escrow somewhere and they're going to pay you out your income like monthly, or they're going to give you the full amount and you got to kind of manage what your disbursements are going to be. So no, that's not how it works. Um, really what it is, is that the, you pay a premium mm-hmm. and for that premium, they give you a percentage of your income. Typically most uh, disability insurance companies are giving you between 40 to 60% of your income. So if you make a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. depending on what your occupation class is. So In the insurance world, they're going to deem your occupation a certain class. So if you're in a riskier occupation, like maybe a corrections officer, as opposed to I'm an assistant and I sit behind the desk all day, Mm -hmm. the class is going to be different. The occupation class will be different. And so they may give the person who's the they will give the person who's like an executive at a company that sits at a desk. They're going to give them maybe 60% of their income when you as the correction officer may only get 40%. Um, so you got to tell them how much income you make. And sometimes they verify it. They don't always take your word for it. Sometimes they will get your tax return. Um, and so once they verify what your income is, then they give you that, per- you can get up to that percent. So of course you got to be able to afford that amount. So sometimes you may not be able to afford the full percentage that they percentage that they're allowing you to get. So I think that when it comes to disability insurance, it's an ex- excellent for risk management. Um, but it's not a hundred percent of your income. And usually okay. because your job may give you a percentage also. Right. right. So if you yeah. have a job, you may get some sort of percentage anyway, but Definitely, if your job does offer you some sort of disability, they want to know that, too, because then sometimes they give you even less. Okay, all right. So you can't kind of double up. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get like two. I mean, not legally. No, you're not going to be able to get two disability policies, one doing 40 percent and the other one doing 40 percent, because if you apply for disability insurance, they want to know if you have any other disability insurance. All right. This this whole conversation about insurance and it's you're so knowledgeable and it it flows out so naturally for you. But you said this wasn't your first choice. So initially you were going to the school of business at Howard. What was your initial goal or career path? 
Um, I thought at first I wanted to do marketing. So I was thinking like advertisement, um, advertising firms. Um, I actually interned at one and it was really fun. They were actually putting together a plan for like Amtrak and Coca-Cola. They were a really big firm, uh, Leo Burnett at the time. And so they were had big clients and it was like this big thing to set it up. And I was so excited. I thought I wanted that. But I realized that I didn't want to work like a nine to five. Um, yeah. And so... I started working for Vibe Magazine years ago, I think 2001, 2000. I was an intern there while I was in school, and that was more exciting to me. You know, we did marketing in a different way, you know, and so that was something that was more exciting to me. I got into product placement, which was where I used to give celebrities clothes to wear for, like, videos, uh, award shows, so brands would pay me. And I would give them the clothes and make sure they wear it, you know, on the different TV. Because that was before. That's how they paid for marketing. It was like you paid me. I had the contacts. I got them to wear the clothes. Uh And you got the picture for the, you know, for your marketing. So that's what it was, you know, before we had Instagram and all of that. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it it was still like influencer marketing, but it was just done in a different way. Right. It was done in a different way. And, you know, back then the companies had really big marketing budgets. They used to spend a lot of money on marketing budgets. Um, And then, you know, when the recession happened, that's the first thing they cut back, which I never could understand. Because just think about business Mm -hmm. for you to know the product that I'm selling. I have to market it. Right. Right. So if you cut back on a marketing budget, you're cutting back on the amount of people who know about the product but you still want the same sales or more. Mm. So it doesn't yeah. make sense. But companies always cut their marketing budgets first. It's one of the first things. They were like, oh, let's cut it out. Stop giving away so much product, right? Um, and so it became difficult. It was like way less product to give away um, and things just changed, right? So when they called me about this opportunity to get into the business, I was like, let me take a shot at it. Uh, You know, I've always been into knowing about the inner workings of money and ways I can do, you know, I've always been into trying to find ways, you know, to make money. And so I felt like this was something that was educating me, but also Mm -hmm. allowing me to take this information back to my friends and family and say, hey, we should be doing X, Y, Z. We can, you know, this is how, and you know, this business, honestly, is it's not a lot of African-Americans in the business. It's not a lot of minorities in the business. Um, and so it's not a lot of females in the business. And so it was definitely a business where you felt like they don't want to do business with me. Right. But I was like, I'm going to make my own presence and deal with my own people. And not that I have a problem with dealing with any other people. I don't It's if they have a problem dealing with me. You know, and I did feel sure. when I first got into the business that that's what, you know, you know, the min- minorities was one set of people and then it was them. And it was like, they were like, you know, I felt like they didn't really want to tell us the same information. And and then they had to, because when you start being successful in the business, you get invited to the meetings that they're at. <laughs> so now I'm in the room with you while you're doing a presentation. So now yeah, I hear you right. and I'm going to share it with my people. 
Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking up the information. You talk, yeah. you talk about sharing it with your people and you do that a lot on your um, social media platforms. And the biggest way you do that is uh, right now I'm seeing in the background, you got, what is that behind you? Life insurance. Well, actually, I have the book in my hand. I always have my book with me, right? So it's creating wealth through life insurance. Um, I, you know, I authored this book. I'm gonna say this. Typically, when you look up life insurance, things are very complex. It's not yeah. simplified. It goes over our head. You're like, what are they talking about? Um, and there's reasons for that because the companies with compliance, they really want to monitor how you explain life insurance, right? To protect themselves. And obviously it protects you from getting, you know, a lawsuit on somebody misunderstanding, right? Yeah. So what I would like to say is I, I wrote this book to simplify understanding life insurance for people to get a better understanding of the different options available to them, uh, for them to also have an understanding of figuring out what policies work best for them, how they can use the cash value as a financial tool. And that life insurance is not just a death benefit. It's also a living benefit. If wait, 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 wait. you purchase hold on, hold on. the right hold policy. So, hold on. That's a lot. Your oh, life sorry, sorry. Your, the life insurance is a, you're saying like a wealth building tool or. Absolutely. Do me a favor. Hand me the book. Here you go. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So look, I appreciate, I, I appreciate it. So I got it right here. I'm going to take, I'm going to, so it, it's got a ton of information. Like I've got life insurance because I know it's something that you're supposed to have. Right. So I've, I've got a policy, you know, you get the employer policy or you get a term policy. So, you know, I went with the term policy because I felt like it's one that I can control or have myself, but Reading through your book, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even know some of this stuff existed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why well, is there anybody, like you said, sharing that information with us that we can even know that this is a possibility? I feel like they make it seem like life insurance is some sort of secret, you know, like it's not meant for everybody to 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 understand how they can really use it. I think they do push out a lot about getting a term policy. And they push it out because they're saying, well, it's, it's cheap. But, you know, as minorities, we spend a lot of money on things, right? So we can afford to spend our money on things if we knew what the value was. When we go and we buy that Chanel bag or we go and get those Louis sneakers, it's because we feel it has value and we put our money behind it. So what if we knew the value of life insurance? how would that really change our community? Just think about that. Because if when we pass away, there's money left behind tax-free to our families, how would that change the dynamic of a family? Instead of us having the story of we passed away and we left our kids with nothing, yeah. debt, scrambling to find money to pay for the burial, first off, and then not even paying attention to the fact that after you die, we still got these bills that come in every 30 days mm -hmm. and we no longer have your income. What if we change that? And now every time somebody in our community dies, a million dollars tax free money was left behind. Do oh. you not think that we would start owning things? Oh, we absolutely. would own more property. We would be out of debt. We would have better credit. 
you know, we will be able to start businesses for diff- for all different types of things because we're creative people. But yeah. sometimes banks don't understand that creativity. So they're not giving you a loan. And if you're in debt so high, you're not going to get a bunch of new credit cards because they're mm-hmm. not going to approve you because you owe so much money. So imagine what a million dollars would do every time one of us passed away. It would completely change where we can live. It would change what we have. It will change our kids' futures. It will keep our kids out of student loan debt. And this is what the other communities are doing. And it's not a secret. It's just that we think of insurance as a scam. You know, I hear that all the time. Oh, it's a scam. I just, you know, just think generational, right? So if your parent thinks it's a scam and all they do is say, oh, don't get no life insurance. You don't need that. It's a scam. When you grow up, you're going to just repeat. You're going to just repeat what is said, right? So it's going to be the same thing over and over from generation to generation. It's a miseducation in our community. It's just being passed down generation to generation. Absolutely. So I just think that is that I think it's passed down. I also think that we listen to anything we see. Right? It goes up online. It's gold. It's like God said it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, did you With even no fact listen? check? No fact check or nothing. They just <laughs> nothing. And and just think about all the people giving finance information on online. Half of yeah. them have no license. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that if you don't have a license, you are not qualified to share information because there's some people who don't have a license who know more information than somebody who has a license, especially when we're talking investments, you know, life insurance, things like that. There's people who understand and have studied it. And so they understand. But you also have to be careful of the people who are just repeating things that they don't understand. Right. So the other day, yesterday, the, I think Trap put up a post about um, about this. It was this guy who was talking about life insurance and he was saying basically he was saying that whole life is a joke. Don't get it. Um, and that. Oh. The, did you see the post? No, I didn't see it. OK, so it's all over the Internet now. Right. Yeah. And so a bunch of people DM me and was like, what do you think about this? And it was saying that whole life is a scam that if you pay into a policy for two years and you like if you just pay into it for a couple of years and you let it go, that you don't even get your money back. So I'm like, well, listen to what you're saying. Whole life which is a product that is for your entire life that you're supposed to keep long term. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that you got rid of it in three years and wondered why you didn't benefit from it. Well, you didn't use the product the way you were supposed to. Of course, the insurance company wins when you mm-hmm. pay your premium and then you lapse on your insurance before they got to pay out the death benefit. Right. It would be like a car insurance policy. You lapse on your premium and then you get into an accident. They don't pay out. You say it's a scam. It's not a scam. It's not a scam. You didn't pay your premium. You right. didn't do your part. So yeah. it's a contract. When you mm. get life insurance, it's a contract. And it clearly states in the contract what you have to do, okay. which is pay your premium. That's all you have to do. Pay your yeah. premium and not lie about your health when you're getting this policy. That's it. Besides that, as long as you follow those things, you're going to get your payout. You're going to have access to your cash, everything. 
And so he was saying that you shouldn't get it because of that. And, I, and, and, you know, because these videos get millions of views and then you have people who listen to them yeah. and they're like, I'm not getting it. It's a scam. Why is it a scam? Because he said that when three years happened and he took the money, he wanted to take the money out. They didn't give him the money because he didn't barely have any cash value. Well, one, you got a small policy. So when you have a small policy, it's not a lot of cash value okay. in the first place, right? If you're paying $25, $50 a month, don't expect hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash value. People just have to think about being realistic. Yeah. Right? Um, and then at the same time, if you lapse on a policy, then why would you receive anything? I mean, I don't know. You didn't hold up your end. And don't even get me wrong. In a whole life policy, if you lapse on it years down the line, there's cash still there for you. You can okay. end your policy and take what's built up so far. So it but depends it, on the it depends on the policy and like you said, the terms of that policy on how long that's gonna take to kind of mature mm -hmm. before before you can get something out of it. Well, no, it's more about if you have a whole life policy in general that builds okay. cash value, um, your cash value builds based on the amount, the face amount you have. Um, that's how that's how you know how fast it's going to build. Right. And so if you have a policy that's building cash value, but it's a small face amount, it's going to build slower than a than a policy with the larger face amount. And if your premium is low, it's going to build slower than a policy with a premium that's high. And so there's some policies that have cash value in year one. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, didn't pay your premium and you decide to close your policy down, less any fees that they take out, you'll get whatever's left. Makes sense. You know, so it's, I mean, it just... The policies are meant to run a certain way. And, you know, just because they don't run the way you would like it to run doesn't make it a scam. Yeah, that's a key point right there. Uh, you, you don't make the rules and to decide on, uh, if it's a scam. It's working the way it was intended to work. You're just not doing it right. You're just not doing it right. I mean, what can I say? Yeah. So what's what's the best way for people to get this information because there's so much misinformation out there. Like you said, they could be scrolling on TikTok or something and they see the latest, you know, so-and-so who's just disgruntled and uh, everybody can't talk to you. So how do they get this kind of information and we change the, the culture of the community? Well, definitely. That's why I wrote the book because obviously I, I can't speak to everybody and break it down to everybody. So I break it down in the book. I, yeah. you know, I break down the types in the book. I break down what to expect for underwriting, what to expect for writers, what to expect as a business owner, you know, and I give scenarios of people who had insurance, people who didn't even comparing, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the big question that people always ask is why don't I just invest in the market instead of insurance? So I break that down in the book because okay. insurance is not an investment account. I'm not saying that it's not a type of an investment because you're putting money premium into it every single month and you're going to gain something out of it eventually. Right. But it's not an investment account. Of course, there's there's policies that do have an investment account in it, like a VUL. Um, but 
in general, the fixed products are not investment accounts, so they don't work the same. Okay. Does that mean that we don't build money in it? No. But it does it, it doesn't work the same. It's not dollar for dollar. When you have an investment account, if I put ten thousand dollars in my investment account and it gives me a ten percent return, less whatever fees, I'm gonna have ten thousand dollars plus ten percent interest. Less the fees, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a life insurance policy and my premium for the year is ten thousand dollars. And let's say I'm 30 years old, I may have a million dollar policy, which means if I die tomorrow, check the difference. If I die tomorrow with the insurance policy that I I put that $10,000 in, my family got a million dollars. If I die tomorrow with the investment account, my family got that $10,000 plus the 10% interest, less the fees. Less than $1,000. So, I mean, it's it's not the same, right? So you're paying for the death benefit while in in addition to it, you're also building cash value. So you're getting the best of both worlds because it also transfers tax-free, right? Whereas investment accounts, you're paying capital gains tax on. Right. So it's very different. You know, and it's two different ways to save. It's not an either or. It's a do both. People are always trying to, like, compete with investments, right? They're like, well, this this investment account is the best or this yeah. type of, you know, you should do crypto, not regular, not stocks. You should do bonds, you know, not CDs. People always want to compare what you should do either or. You really, in finance, have to look at what your goals are. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. What you're trying to do, not what everybody in the world, not all the noise. What is it that you're trying to do? And you have to find the products that give you those results. And usually it's not just one product, because if there was one perfect product that just did everything perfectly for everybody, everybody would just have that one thing. Yeah, there wouldn't be so many options. That's why some people do Forex. Some people do crypto. Some people do paper stocks. Some people do it all. They want a little bit of it all, right? But it's not a either or. It's like it's like me somebody telling me, "Oh, don't buy real estate, just get insurance." Why? Why? Why would <laughs> I want real estate and insurance? Like I don't understand why yeah. I want real estate and I want insurance and I want a stock portfolio and I have crypto, right? So, and I don't do forex just because I don't understand it. But there's people who make millions from it. They understand it. I don't get into things that I don't understand, right? So as long as I don't understand it, I'm not doing it. Doesn't mean it's not a good thing. And I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Do your research and decide if that product makes sense for you. What about the other side of of the insurance industry? And, I mean, you've got got a lot of different um, licenses. 
and credentials from the Series 6, the 66, and all this stuff. Somebody who's looking at life insurance now from the perspective of they want to follow your footsteps and be successful and be an agent, what's the best path for them to do that? So first off, I think for agents, um, you know, if you're interested in getting in this business, which I have to say it's a really good business, but I will say that it's for a certain individual. And what do I mean by that? Before you go through the whole process, think to yourself, are you a salesperson? Because although life insurance is a necessity that people need, it's still sales, right? You're still, you still have to be able to be relatable to people. You have to be able to listen and hear what it is that they're looking for. Um, you, you have to be able to present solutions and you have to be able to really take the time to learn the product so that you can explain the product. Right. So in those situations, I think if you realize that you're a person that does well with people who will talk to people, whether you know them or not, and you're totally fine with rejection, don't take it personal. If you're somebody who takes rejection personally, this is probably not going to be the business for you. Right now. (laughs) So to get into the business, you have to take a state exam, whatever state you live in, you're going to take the exam in that state. You can do it through a company where you can get signed up and they will uh, sponsor you for the exam and help you learn. You know, they'll they'll teach you the the information or you can choose to go sign up yourself. But then when you do that, you have to get your license appointed to sell. What do I mean by appointed? I mean that you have to sign up with some insurance companies, most likely a brokerage that will appoint your license so that you can sell through them and you then can still sell the different companies um, depending on what company you sign up with, right? So sometimes you sign up with companies that only sell one company and some you sign up with have multiple options. You have to decide what kind of agent you want to be. Do I want to be captive or non-captive? Captive means working for a company that only allows you to sell from them or non-captive. And also in captive companies, a lot of times they keep your book of business when you leave. Um, so wait, hold on. So so you do all of this, uh, marketing, um, like you said, you got to be sales, you deal with all of this stuff. And then if you leave everything that you've built stays with them. So you have no, no ownership in that. Exactly. If you go with a captive company, right? So if you're non-captive, then you take your clients with you, you still continue to get your residuals and you also, you know, can just move on and, be selling at a different brokerage, a different company or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, But the thing about being captive, and I will say this, a lot of times the captive companies, because you're kind of an employee of theirs, they do have better training than most, you know, going to these other companies where you kind of could just do whatever you want because they're, they're controlling you. Right. So they, they, they want you to be successful because you're only selling their products. Yeah. So that's a lot of product training, you know, so sometimes in the beginning, you may want to go with a captive company, maybe for the first year, just to kind of learn some tools for you to be successful. I did it. I was in a captive company for 10 years, but um, after I think year three, I was allowed to start doing brokerage business. And I started doing that in addition to, me being captive on that side. And with that captive company, they uh, they kept my clients that I did with them. 
Mm, okay. So you, you almost had to start your business all over after 10 years. No, because all of the broker business was mine. So while I was with them after year three, I started building my broker portfolio. So I kind of just left behind the clients that I only did with them. And what oh, I did in sense. most cases was I wrote them on the broker side, too. So then you were my client anyway on the broker side. Oh, that was smart. <laughs> yeah. I figured it out. I planned before I made my action. Planned ahead, yeah. All right. Good, good transition. Yeah. Absolutely. So, go. I mean, I think, go ahead. No, go. No, so I was just going to say that I think when it comes to insurance, there's a lot of myths, right? Yeah. A lot of things that people think about life insurance that's not necessarily true. And I think that if we are more educated on life insurance, that a lot more of us would get life insurance. And if we really understood how life insurance can be such an integral part of our financial portfolio, like really holding things together for us, um, even doing a tax-free retirement income out of it, scaling our business, using the money to scale, using the money to create a real estate portfolio by borrowing from our policies and using it to buy real estate. I do want to say this, though, because um, online, because it's a lot of times a very short period of time, we don't explain, and I think people get misled. Because yeah. when I'm saying these are some things that you can do, not everybody can do it. Because if you don't have a policy that's sized, you know, big enough to have those type of cash values, then you're not going to really benefit the same as okay. a person who has a larger policy. So I do want to tap back into the guy who had the video, that's something that he was saying, was that most people don't even have the face amount for them to even do all of these things that people talk about you could do, which is like the income, uh, you know, using it to scale your business. And it's not that people can't do it, it's they're doing it at the level of the policy they have, right? right. If you have a really small policy that's building really small cash value, then that is the level of money that you're going to have access to. It's just yeah, like when you have a savings account, if you put $5 a day in there, um, it's going to be very different than somebody who's putting 10000 a month. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it goes back to proper planning and having the right uh, broker or agent on your side to help you get the full picture. Mm -hmm. um, because if, if you've got a strategy in your mind and you don't convey that, uh, you know, with the agent, you're not going to get the result you're looking for. And depending on the agent you get, unfortunately. I mean, you know, some of these agents are strictly sales. Okay. But they don't do too much educating, you know, the the client. And so they kind of just push the product on you. I, I tend to stay away from that. Mm -hmm. I tend to really kind of educate you and let's just kind of discuss what it is that you want to do. And I'll tell you if it's possible with what we're working with. And and I'm going to be honest because I don't want you to call me five years later saying, hey, you told me if I had this policy, I was going to have cash value. I recently was talking to somebody and they basically said to me, they were like, hey, Lindsay, so I'm planning on buying a house in a year. And so my reason for getting this policy is because I want to borrow 200K from the policy for my down payment. I was like, oh, okay, so what's your budget? About $100 a month. So I said, I was like, well, I would really love to 
um, to to find a, a product that we could put a hundred dollars in for twelve months and get two hundred k. If we find that product, I would like to join that one myself. Yeah. But that's just not reality, right? And so sometimes you have to say to them, think about that. You're saying you're investing twelve hundred dollars, and you're looking for two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess when you hear it out loud and you let it sink in, it's, you gotta it's, say it to them. You have to say it to people so that they can understand that it's not the life insurance that's a scam. Yeah, <laughs> it's what you're trying to do is a scam. That would have to be a scam, right? Yeah. And so I said, you know, I, I break it down nicely, and you know, not I'm not sarcastic. I definitely would say, you know, that's just not realistic. The yeah. death benefit is not the cash value. And I think some people do get that confused. They're like, I'm going to buy a million dollar policy because I want to have a million dollars. Okay. I totally, and we can do that, but how much time you got, right? Yeah. We can buy a million dollar policy. Do you got $1,100 a month? No, oh, well, we can't do a, we can't do a million dollar policy. How old are you? Right. So these are the things, you know, I get people all the time. I want to get a million dollar policy. I want you to have a million dollar policy, too. Yeah. But if you want a million dollar policy that builds cash value, not a term million dollar. policy, I could get you a term million dollar policy if you're 30 years old and healthy. Yeah. I could get you and you're a female. I could get, get it for you for $25 a month. But that doesn't build you any money. Right. That's all, that's only good if you pass away. <laughs> and you, you, you want to be here. <laughs> It's a death benefit. It is yeah. strictly for you to leave that for somebody else to benefit. Yeah. That, that's the purpose. Um, so if you're looking to have a million dollar policy that's going to build you cash value, which will eventually get to a million dollars in cash value years down the line, um, we're going to need a little bit more of an investment from you. A little bit more premium. Because even okay. at 30, even at 30, you're looking at probably about seven healthy individual females, still 700, 750 yeah. for a million, you know, and it could range from company to company, maybe between seven to 900,000, I mean, $900 a month, but it's, it's an investment that you're going to mm. put in to, to get these type of numbers. Yeah. It's possible. We do it. I have one, right. But I'm paying Mm. I'm paying some money for it. It's not, it's not, it's not a hundred dollars or two or three or four or five. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's what I really want to explain to people. The value you get from life insurance, the value you get from life insurance depends on what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to commit to financially. And do, do me a favor. Do not get anything you cannot afford. I don't want you to lapse because you don't win when you lapse. Right. You give money to the insurance company and you don't get what you need in return if you end up lapsing. So one of the key things in finance, you have to do a budget. This is a long term. Uh, this is a policy you're going to have for years. Yes. Yeah, the consistency that that builds the value. Exactly. But and and if people would understand, it's the consistency consistency that builds the value in everything, in business, in stocks, in life insurance. Life insurance is no different. 
It's the consistency of doing the same thing every month, paying a premium every month or annually, however you're going to do it. It's that consistency that gets you to the goal. We can't do things for two months and ask people why things are a scam. That's like the people who invest in the market and it was doing really well. And then when the market wasn't doing well, they're like, this is this is garbage. Why? It's not garbage. It's been making people millions of dollars for years. Oh, yeah. Right. You just not doing your research and, and, and paying attention to the full picture. There are ups and there are downs in the market. And only the strong survive in that case. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lindsay, thank you for being um, transparent and, and and really dispelling what people might believe and setting the right expectation, right? Because if somebody wants, we want people to be successful and we want people to start utilizing and leveraging some of these, you know, um, systems and investment vehicles that the wealthy are using, but they might have the wrong, you know, impression of, of what's needed. Mm-hmm. When you talked about um, dispelling some of the myths and in, in your book, you, you talk about um, several myths. Can you tell me a, a myth that um, comes up a lot to you that you uh, could dispel? Absolutely. Um, one of the, my favorite ones are the job insurance, right? Do I need insurance if I have job insurance? A lot of people feel like, oh, I don't need insurance. I got job insurance. And what I want to be clear is, don't get me wrong. There are some companies that you do have insurance that you can take with you when you leave. When there's companies that come to your actual job or, you know, it's through the HR where they sign you up and they and, and you're just paying your premium through the job. Okay. And so when you leave, you can switch it from them paying it from your job to them paying it out of your bank account. Yes. But even with that, it's limits. Whenever you, you sign up in a group, there's going to be a limit to how much they're allowing the group to get. And so you may not have sufficient insurance from getting insurance from your job. The other part about the job is most people have a group plan, which is a group term. And it does, and people say, well, how can it be a term? Because it doesn't have an end date. Well, it's not that it doesn't have an end date. The day you retire is your end date. It ends, right? <laughs> or the day you get laid off, it ends. No, not like a regular term policy that you get outside the job where I tell you up front, it's 20 years, it's 30 years, it's 10 years. No, it's not the same as that. But it is a term, meaning when you leave this job, you're not, unless you die while you're on the job, when you leave this job, you will no longer have this policy. And guess what else? If I started the job at 30 and I left at 65, what is my issue? I am older. Oh, so when I yeah. come get my insurance, I'm now 65 years old trying to get insurance policy. I may have health issues and I'm for sure paying a lot more money because of my age. Yeah. Now you've got the underlying conditions. Exactly. And so you're paying more money for those conditions and you're paying more money because of your age. So now you'll get a lot less insurance for your money than you would have at 30. So I feel like job insurance is like this placeholder that has people feeling like they're safe mm. until they leave the job. And now we're talking about the millennials who are changing jobs like they change their clothes. 
So they're not even staying on a job like, you know, at least uh, the older generations used to stay at the job for 30 years and 40 years. But that's not the case. I mean, as soon as they go to work and they don't like something, they're quitting. They're like, I'm done with this. Yeah, they go it's an entitled group of, of, of people and I'm not mad at them because they now have opportunities to make money so many other ways. Yeah. They can just go online and decide to be consistent and sell a an ebook and become a millionaire. Right. So because they have these opportunities, they're quick to quit on a job that they're not happy with. Yeah. And, and that's great because people who are my age for years were scared to leave their jobs when they didn't like it, even though they hated it, just because they were in fear of not being stable. Yeah, living miserable. Right. So I think the job insurance, I want everybody to know that if you have a job insurance, you still need insurance outside the job. You still need to make sure that you have 10 times your income at least in insurance, which a lot of times your your insurance at work is just one or two times your salary. They yeah. may give you a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar policy, but you're not getting a million dollar policy at work for group term. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some top execs that as an executive bonus or as a company bonus for you being an exec that they're purchasing permanent insurance for these executives. There are yeah. some. I actually had a client uh, that was an attorney for. Uh, a major corporation and his company were, um, I think he had like 1.5 million in universal life that they paid the payment for, but it required, you know, it comes with rules, right? You got to yeah. stay here for a certain amount of time, um, you know, different contract rules and it's incentives to make people stay at the job longer. So I'm not saying that there aren't jobs that have that, but if you have a group, term policy. Please get your own insurance so that it doesn't matter whether or not you stay with the company or not on whether or not you have insurance. Damn, another myth dispelled. Lindsay, I got something I like to do on every episode. So the name okay. of the show is Success Leaves Clues Podcast. So I like to point out a couple of clues that I picked up in your journey that helped you be successful. And I'm quite sure the listeners will pick up some other things. So one, one thing I see in you is a lot of courage. Like you weren't afraid to step out. Um, you, you made a couple transitions, not only from your business and marketing you know, career, um, stepping into the financial industry, but even in that, you were willing to leave behind you know, some business and a book of business to go on to the next level. And I think it's really important to have that level of courage. That definitely um, is courage. Another thing that I see in you is uh, your willingness to give back. And it's really awesome to give back to a community when you can have this knowledge and you can be wealthy and as successful as you are and just go on and, and keep going down that path. But you're writing, you know, a book like Life Insurance and giving back to people and, you know, coming on a show like this and sharing with people so they can be educated in life insurance and also have, you know, some of the same investment vehicles you have. Yes. Thank you. Wow. That, that summed it up. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like that is a, this, this career is very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's, it's you owning your own business. I mean, you're in control of you and your success in this type of business. 
you you decide how to market you. I mean, obviously there's compliance and there's things that we can and cannot do, but overall, you know, being able to market myself on social media, I love that I'm able to just connect with so many different people across the nation. You know, my clients are across all the states. And I think that being able to just really educate key is even if you don't get insurance with me, that's okay. The The goal is that we get insurance. The goal is that you understand the insurance that you have and how it works for you because that's the key to knowing how it could be a financial tool for you is for you to understand what you have. Because even I have clients that come back to me that I did 10 years ago and they're like, do I have the policy you're talking about? And I'm like, yes, yeah. <laughs> ready. Yeah. right. So I think understanding, educating yourself, definitely read my book. Um, it's available on Amazon, creating, um, creating, I can't even think right now. Creating wealth through life insurance. Here's the book. It's gonna, um, be, it's gonna be linked in the description, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we get this in as many hands as possible. Yes, definitely. And so, you know, I think that's why I created the book, right? I want to be able to get it out to as many people as possible. You know, tell a friend to tell a friend to read the book so that you guys can be informed as well and understand what you have, review your life insurance. I've seen so many times people tell me, hey, I have a permanent policy. I don't need any insurance. And they pass away and they have nothing because they had a term policy that expired. So please review your insurance. Yep. Understand Change your beneficiaries. Keep them updated. Don't have your beneficiaries, your ex-husband that you had two husbands ago, and now you pass away, right? And and your family doesn't get the get the money. So, you know, there's so many things to be mindful of with life mm -hmm. insurance. And, you know, people, of course, will call that a scam. Like, I couldn't get the yeah. money from my husband. Your husband didn't change the beneficiary. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like these are different things that they're not scams They you just don't understand what's happening and you're not taking the correct steps. And so my what? book goes through all the steps you need to understand. I talk about beneficiaries. I talk about ownership of the policy, what that means. Um, I talk about the types of insurance. I talk about what it does for you as a business, buy, sell agreements, yeah. you know, just so many different things, even understanding, you know, the taxes and I can't give tax advice. I'm not a CPA and everything we talked about on here is for informational purposes only. I am not recommending anybody to get any particular policy. I feel like you have to talk to a licensed agent about your individual needs yeah. before you get a recommendation. I am not telling you that term whole life, universal life <laughs> is bad. I'm just educating you on what it is. Yeah. You have to do your research and talk to an agent and find out what works best for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I want to remind everybody out there, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Be sure to follow Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Washington or the podcast page at Success Leaves Clues podcast. We'll see you here next time. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? 
the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.